This is Healing Justice Podcast, a virtual practice space at the intersections of collective healing and social change. I'm your host, Kate Werning, and I'm currently working hard alongside our incoming board members to bring you a brilliant, inspiring second season of this show. We've been immersed in a self-guided retreat, clarifying our political and healing lineages and our commitments, reading your surveys and testimonials from season one to better understand our listeners and what you need from us. We've been diving deeper into clarifying the strategic contributions to movement culture that this project is positioned to make and have been engaging in listening and accountability check-ins with leaders we admire to continue to true our constructive presence in the ecosystem of spirit and struggle. We've also put out a call for volunteers to join our access team and help transcribe all of our back episodes with us. It's an awesome way to volunteer. If you're interested in joining us, you can go to tinyurl.com slash HJP transcribe. We would love to have you on the team. So as you can hear, a lot goes into bringing you these conversations and practices in a good way. And so as we continue this internal work and prepare to launch our next round of episodes, please enjoy this juicy bonus episode called Resilience is Ours, Voices from the Allied Media Conference. So this past June of 2018, our volunteer team from all over the country took a trip to Detroit together for the 20th annual Allied Media Conference. And this episode reflects the incredible talent and contributions and production direction of that amazing team. We hosted a workshop called Healing Justice Podcast Story Lab together. And here's how it went down. It was quite the logistical thing to figure out how we were going to do a recording session with dozens of people all in the same room in just an hour and a half. But we set up four recording booths and did an arriving body scan exercise together led by Justin Campbell. And then Marsha Lee kicked us off by inviting participants to reflect on what gives them the resilience to keep loving and keep fighting. Participants shared the experiences, practices, and relationships that sustain them in their justice journey on the mics. And in this episode, we invite you, our listener, to reflect on those stories. It was amazing to cross paths with people over the remaining days of the conference and hear that participants in the Story Lab workshop felt so grounded and seen in this workshop. The power of reflecting on our own sources of resilience and the experience of being asked to share and be listened to intently are such medicinal tools that are available to us at any time. It's so simple, Uh, but just that act of listening to each other and reflecting on what fills us up to keep going um, can just be such an unlock. And so I have profound gratitude for the talented Mira Al-Rahim, Park Ballantine, and Rachel Ishikawa for all of your hours and hours of work in producing and facilitating this episode with such attention to detail and commitment to the big picture of what we are trying to usher in here in in um, drawing on the richness of collective resilience. And so here's Mira, Park, and Rachel to guide you through this episode and give you a taste of some of the stories, insights, and practices that we heard in Detroit. I'm Mira. 
Hi there, I'm Park. I'm Rachel. We've been helping out with the Healing Justice podcast for the past few months, doing some of the behind the scenes work. And this past June, we helped facilitate the Story Lab workshop in Detroit. Yeah, it was a whirlwind. People who attended were so generous with the stories they shared. I was floored. It was one of those rare occasions where a room full of complete strangers were able to come together in this grand display of compassion and solidarity. I left feeling humbled and, you know, very privileged to have shared and held the space with these comrades. Definitely. The power of vulnerability and collective sharing was bright and really beautiful that day. Participants came to the mic to share their thoughts and stories, and we began by discussing the experiences and relationships that shaped all of our resilience. The voice you're about to hear is Marsha Lee. Marsha is a healing justice advocate who played a crucial role in facilitating this workshop. Reflect on a life experience that has led you to having some sort of resiliency practice for you today that's helping you to be supple when things are moving and changing. And what is that practice? What is that practice? The first thing that came to mind for me was my mother. Chimera Bailey. She raised me and my two brothers by herself, and this was like 80s, 90s, during a time in Tacoma, Washington, when there was a lot of gang activity, um, a lot of folks falling victim to addiction, and that community at the time had no idea how to deal with, with those kind of problems. And so it really took a toll on multiple families, with folks losing their children to the foster care system, to incarceration, and no one really had the training to know how to handle that level of trauma. And so. A lot of folks were just doing the best that they could, and my mom did the best that she could. But um, I had to witness a lot of her going through things that were violent. She didn't really have any space to even think about her own trauma, to even talk about what made her resilient. She just did what had to be done. She went through it like a series of oppressions that I didn't have the knowledge of or know how to articulate as a child, obviously. So my perception of the things that she sacrificed as, as I was young has changed over time. And I realized that she's the one that demonstrated for me what resilience can look like. And also in unhealthy ways that it can look like too, when you don't have anyone caring for you and you don't know how to take care of yourself. We kept on returning to this theme of how people's families impact their resilience journeys. Here's Hadassah Damien talking about her grandmother. My grandmother passed away about six months ago. And that was my last grandparent. And um, when she passed, I had like, a, a, like a lot of feelings, more feelings than I thought I was going to. <laughs> and in in processing those and thinking about those, um, I took it as in part an opportunity to start thinking about like why that mattered so much to me and where my connection was to, to both her and, and all my other grandparents. And so a, a resilience practice that, that I, I pulled out of that and I've been thinking about is something that she was like, she was really, really good at um, like resourceful movement of things throughout the family. So like, what does that look like? Like she went to like every garage sale. She was that person, you know, and like $7 and a quarter later, she's got like clothes for like the, like her kids and her cousins and their kids and like second, you know, just like everybody had what they needed, right? And she had this room in her house and we were, I was helping my mom clean her house out a bit where she had just like, all this stuff that was and not not like you know so much stuff that there was a problem but it was like clearly her stuff that she'd been cycling through like generations for some of us resilience started at our places of work 
Jakaran Olayoya shared an experience about working a summer job in high school. Trigger warning, Jakaran talks about sexual assault approximately 20 seconds into this segment. What comes to mind, um, when I was in high school, I worked as a counselor in training for a summer camp, and this summer camp was all about um, teaching children about conflict resolution and ways of being peace in order to, um, to, to bring peace into the world. Um, however, this year, um, there was an incident where one of my fellow uh, counselors in training was raped in the bed across from me. Um, we didn't know what was going on until we woke up in the next morning and there were police standing in our, you know, in our common room and it was a very traumatic experience. Um, but through that experience, um, I've been really dedicated to helping children feel safe and I really feel called to be in a position to work with you in making sure that their safety is a priority. And sometimes the experiences that shape us trigger an entire shift in our mindset. So I'm not necessarily an organizer, I'm a graduate student in anthropology. Simone Johnson. And I, st I study activism and organizing and how spirituality informs how people mobilize. And so my community is graduate students and academia in general. And so I'm thinking about the ways that we talk about or don't talk about what resilience means. And for me, resilience comes out of imagination and speculation. And I think in order for that to occur, the spaces have to exist for people to feel free and open to thinking about these things that are not existent in the present moment. And I think academia can be kind of stifling in the sense that people are working to please their advisors, please other students. We're in competition with one another constantly. We have to work within a certain canon to be recognized as legitimate scholars. And so I think that kind of stifles our ability to imagine something beyond where we exist now. And so that's something I'm actively trying to resist in my own work and trying to encourage in my own department. After hearing about the experiences that taught us resilience, we moved on to the part of the story lab where participants shared their own resilience practices. Everything from secret code words to glitter, herbal teas, meditation, and more. Totally. When I was preparing for the workshop, I knew I wanted to set up an offering of some sort as well, so I brought a few crystals with me from home. I've been collecting stones since I was a kid, and I would look for the ones that I thought were really pretty and hold them when I needed comfort. As I got older, that practice turned into collecting crystals, learning some of their spiritual properties, and calling on those elements when needed. In workshops I have been a part of in the past, stones, feathers, and other objects are placed on an altar and can be used to give or receive support and blessings. Having something that resonates with the moment to touch and contemplate can help us tell our stories that need sharing. It's become a resilience practice in my life that validates what I need in the moment, and I was really excited to share that at the conference. Nada Beydoun talked about how she was sharing her personal practice with others at the conference as well. If you're curious, it, it includes a hawthorn, rose, chamomile, um, mountain tea, and sage. And so I made this, and yeah, we've been sharing tea together as, as a house, and it's, there's something so strong and powerful in that, and just, it's something simple like tea, but really there's just something so communal and 
know, that connects us all together just through, you know, drinking these these plants from the Suwana region, especially as people of the diaspora right now. So I'd say this was just within these past two days, but that's a recent community resiliency practice that I've experienced. This is Isis Rose. One thing I really like about the town that I live in is, is the sense of cooperation and collaboration. There's a, a local co-op that sources local foods from like organic farms in the area. They also have a Roundup program where they donate to local charities. They also have low-income access to their foods and things like that. My goal has been to think about how to be more collaborative and cooperative where I live and in the birth community, but also just sharing food and sharing other resources and bartering with people and skill sharing and other everyday things that we don't always think about as community building or means of community resilience. I'm trying to figure out how to be less invested in like the almighty dollar <laughs> and how to not sell my services in monetary ways, but trade and all of that. Not relying on like capitalism is definitely a, a part of community resilience. And I moved to the Bay Area almost five years ago now. This is Rajalina Scando. And I really didn't have any community. And going to East Bay Meditation Center, specifically to the People of Color Sangha, gave me a community that also fit my introverted needs of wanting to be with other people, but also be by myself. And it really introduced me to the, not necessarily to the practice of meditation, but to the practice of breath that it's it's always there for us to return to whether it was difficult the breath before was difficult or the breath before was shallow that we can always come back to it the self-care practices didn't go entirely unchallenged we haven't yet found a way to fully democratize access to healing practices especially for historically marginalized communities Here's Simone again. I think as a result of that lack of universal health care, the concept of healing itself or this idea of self-care mm. is like considered to be kind of a privileged idea. And I don't think everybody thinks that they have access to this type of care that we're talking about because I think it's also kind of wrapped up in what you can access in a material sense. So if you don't have access to like that specific essential oil or that herb or mm. whatever people are thinking is required for self-care, that they kind of are barred from that. Yeah, Simone brings up a really great point about access. There were a few people from season one who addressed this too. There was Emily Kramer and Jelani Fontaine from Third Root, who shall we say coined the term despotifying when it comes to access and community health, getting rid of the goop, so to speak. Jeleni spoke about the founding of Third Root and how at the time, healing and wellness was seen as exclusive instead of vital to community well-being. And how they developed a sliding scale of payment model as well as prioritizing accessibility to reduce barriers. They also mentioned how traditional healing practices were fundamental, coming from indigenous and other currently marginalized communities. So in a way, it's a micro-healing process of getting the help needed in the moment but also a healing for our communities and our ancestors in reclaiming the wisdom of integrating spirit and wellness back into our everyday lives. There are so many ways in which people all over are merging healing with their organizing and day-to-day. -day. 
Cadence Montgomery and Miss Skinor from Black Lives Matter's Global Network and the Black Visions Collective in the Twin Cities were in episode 22 and talked about the fund created after an 18-day occupation for people to access healers and therapy, and a whole network of Black and POC healers developed from that space. They said something to the tune of it's the work that happens after and during the work that's essential to assuring long-term transformation. And we recently had an organizer write in and tell us about using one of their breathing techniques before going into a space translating for undocumented people. They mentioned that the act of taking that moment before telling such an intense story helped to keep her healthy and grounded. I love that about this podcast. The practice offered in each episode are such a gift. To all out there who are listening, I encourage you to check out the growing library with over 32 practices that are free and available to all of you right now. My favorite practice is from episode 25. What about you all? So one of my favorite practices isn't necessarily episode specific, but it's a practice we use during the AMC workshop and at the beginning of all our conference calls with the HJP team. It's a really effective way of grounding yourself in whatever space you're in and allowing yourself to feel present before activities begin. It goes like this. Sit on the edge of your chair, legs shoulder width apart and close your eyes. Put your hand on your belly and feel your diaphragm rise and fall with each breath. Notice the quality of your breaths and the physical sensations arising in your body. Do this for about a minute, then open your eyes and welcome yourself to this space. Dr. Robin Henderson Espinoza's practice from episode three really resonated with me. It's a journaling practice that asks, who am I and how do I know on a daily basis? I find that it gives me the time to reflect and recenter on my integration and fullness, finding that alignment between all of my external and internal worlds. It's really cool how all these practices can look so different. Even the ways that we present and adorn ourselves on a daily basis can be a practice of resilience. Here's Vern Plotkin from the Story Lab. I also started thinking about the ways that we adorn ourselves because on that dance floor I was seeing like so much glitter, so much like style and swag and like um, and I think that that is also something that we use as like a way to to identify one another and to like and to love on one another, you know, and to be like, wow, you look like so good and that makes me feel so good. Like, um, and so I started thinking about like how as I've become more and more like um, open in my transness and my queerness, like how I use like style to express my gender um, and shopping as a ritual, <laughs> right? And, and picking out cool crystals and jewels and... Um, yeah, so I started thinking about that. <laughs> and we heard about accountability practices too. What it meant for a community to come together during a time of grief and different ways people can ask for help even when they might not know how to communicate their suffering. One of the things that I remember when my mother died is that in our culture, your family, your extended family, your neighbors, everybody comes to your house every single day until the day of your of the burial of your family member. Lydia Nylander has a very unique approach. And they come and they sit and they, they are with you the whole time. So from the moment that a family are on notice that, that somebody has transitioned on, there is this kind of envelope of love and support and resources. And I've taken that experience and, and moved it into areas where it's you just need help. 
or you just need support and you might not actually even be able to distinctly articulate what it is that you need. And so for my community, we just have code words that just mean like, I don't, I can't articulate, the, the words aren't coming up, but X. And <laughs> with my crew, it's the word arugula. Like if I get a text message that says arugula, like it doesn't matter like what's going on. You know, it doesn't matter where I am in the world. It's like a FaceTime, it's a reaching out, it's a lighting a candle, it's, it's whatever it needs to be. I just remember at a time of like incredible loss, it was the most welcoming, warm thing that I'd ever experienced in my life. I love that use of arugula in community safekeeping. As we closed out on our experiences of collective resilience, it led to a series of questions about how do we move forward? How do we implement practice in all areas of our lives? And how do we be resilient in the midst of violence and much, much more? What's the truth? I don't think we can address anything unless we're not honest with ourselves. What's our true appetite for a continued, sustained resistance? How can I take my experiences and bring that to community members that don't have the time or space to even know how to navigate a, a world in that way? How are we showing up right now? We just heard from Sarah Lynn Pablo, Lydia, Chimera, and Uninam Buderipad. Having space to ask the big questions is really important. We may not have all of the answers now, but these questions can help guide us to where we want and need to go. Some driving questions we heard were rooted in very personal experiences. Take Frankie Mastrangelo, who's been thinking a lot about relationships these days. I just keep thinking of the word boundaries. Especially in the last year of my life, I'm now 30, it's become such a running theme in my relationships with people and like cutting out the people from my life that I feel like deplete my energy as opposed to replenishing it for me and thinking about what relationships I have that are very reciprocal and what ones are very lopsided in terms of draining energy. And like, how do we know where those lines are as far as our boundaries and then how do we know how to protect those boundaries if we live in a society where, you know, across the board, if you're marginalized, like, you don't get to have boundaries. That's Chimera, who we heard from earlier. It took me a while to realize, like, that tension is always there. There are a lot of organizers in the room with questions about burnout and sustainability. Here's Chaz Antoine. The challenge that I have and the question that I continue to ask myself is how are we channeling resilience into holding each other accountable to improve our quality of life? Um, because so many folks that I know that are amazing um, in the social justice work that they do, our quality of life is in many ways low. Like income, income level is an issue, housing is an issue. I want to be able to um, continue to ask everyone that works in the social justice space, like how are we channeling our resilience into ways where we're knowing, you know, what a healthy work-life balance is, um, when we should be able to stop. Like, you know, so many professors that have supported me in like really troubling times, you know, those are the professors that are staying like crazy hours and not getting compensated for that. And of course, there were questions about healing. I think one of the questions I have thinking about the theme of healing justice and resilience is how do we imagine healing justice to be able to occur on a widespread scale when we have very capitalist approach to healthcare in this country and we don't consider healthcare to be a basic human right? That's Carlin Christie. I think we're starting so far behind where we could be as a society, as a country, as communities because we don't value 
people's access to health care. I think we'd have a lot more healing if we valued health care in this country in a different way that we do right now. And to sum it up, Uni asks, How are we showing up right now? How are we feeling? How are we using this time right now to be healing and to, to take in our full selves? Hey y'all, it's Kate again. I love that question from Uni and how a lot of our conversation about resilience actually came through as questions. There's something there about how leaning into and living into the right questions is a source of grounding and strength and energy um, that I just really love. It's like, it's, it's more in the question than in the answer. And coming together at Allied Media Conference to host our first Healing Justice Story Lab was a really unique and deeply empowering experience for all of us, the whole team who helped facilitate the workshop. It really was a -a one-of-a-kind convergence point, and we hope that we've succeeded in placing you in the heart of this space. We can't tell you enough how hard it was to edit this audio because all of it was really juicy and insightful and so we thank and honor all of the people who participated that their recordings maybe didn't make it into this final cut or even the people in the workshop who chose not to be recorded and just share with each other everything that you shared was a valued contribution We honor the incredible work of the Allied Media Conference team in cultivating such a unique convening for 20 years. Y'all, it's not a lot of stuff in our movement space that can stay together and thriving and beautiful for 20 years. And so we wish you the best in your chrysalis year, as you're calling it this year, as you slow down and reflect and evaluate and take this year off from the conference so that you can be clear about how you want to come back in 2020. Sending big love to y'all in that discernment process. Cultivating healing strategies for a more just, soulful, and thriving world is what this podcast is all about. And so here's to many story labs to come, despite all of the logistics and the audio and everything it takes. Our scrappy, all over the country, we'll figure out a way to make it happen uh, crew of volunteers. Uh, is ready to figure it out (laughs) and a huge thank you to everyone who attended and we're so gracious with your energy and time in the workshop we're really honored to have held that space with you Specifically, big shout outs and thank yous to Mira Al-Rahim, Park Ballantyne, and Rachel Ishikawa for your complete design and production leadership on this episode. Thank you to Miriam Perez of Tonic Podcast and JD Davids who helped record at the event. Thank you to Marsha Lee and Justin Campbell for co-designing and co-facilitating the Story Lab workshop with skill and grace and love. Thank you to Kieran Kanakanat, Brittany Catellis, Charlie Bruce, Nat McClellan, Josiah Werning, and others for playing support roles at the workshop. Thank you to Zach Meyer at the Cole Room for your sound design and music. And thank you to all of the incredible attendees that you heard here, whose names are also credited in the show notes and the many voices that you didn't hear. 
Thanks also to everyone who worked hard to pull off the Allied Media Conference and especially to those who coordinated and led workshops in the healing justice track in the healing justice practice space. As always, you can keep in touch with us on social media at Healing Justice on Instagram, Healing Justice Podcast on Facebook, and at HJ Podcast on Twitter. You can also join our email list at healingjustice.org and become a sustaining donor for even just a few bucks a month to help this project continue at patreon.com healingjustice. We have some extra exciting new developments that are coming soon. And when we release our next batch of episodes, there'll be a lot of updates for y'all, including incredible new content, as well as new Patreon rewards and ways to convene as a community for our donors. And being a donor can be as little as a dollar a month. So make sure that you join us to find out about those things again at patreon.com slash healingjustice and at healingjustice.org to join our email list. We are so glad that you're with us and thank you for all that you do to bring more love and justice into this world. If you need to lean on a practice in these next few weeks, look back at our catalog from season one. We have over 30 different practices um, and revisiting them can be a great way of accompanying yourself and grounding yourself and orienting to the kind of world you want to build and the support that you need. And until next time, talk soon. Thanks, y'all.